The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you have your own bathroom or you share one with your family, a little extra help keeping the bathroom sink, counter, and mirror clean goes a long way. And Viva paper towels are for the long haul. They're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. And they clean like cloth, helping you keep the surfaces in your bathroom dry and fingerprint and toothpaste free. For an exceptional bathroom clean, there's Viva Paper Towels. Visit vivatowels.com to learn more. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Look, I think the good news for Joe Biden is this was maybe the best he could do. Uh, and the bad news is this may be the best he could do. <laughs> That's David Axelrod. Who... Malarkey. <laughs> Malarkey. David Axelrod ran Obama's campaign. Uh, Joe Scarborough on Morning Joe had this to say. Give me a break. What's wrong with you people? I don't you're going up against Donald Trump and you're talking about defending Obamacare as Republican yes. talking points? Who is advising you? <laughs> wow. <laughs> A lot of beating up on Obama-era policies on the debate stage last night. Well, they're going after that 3% of Democrats that didn't like Barack Obama. Exactly. Finally, they get the pummeling they deserve. Lon He Chen joins us. Lon He is a David and Diane Steffi Research Fellow at the Hoover Institution, Director of Domestic Policy Studies, and lecturer in public policy at Stanford University. Lon He, how are you, sir? Oh, I'm doing fine. Nothing like two nights of debates to get you going in the morning. Oh, I tell you what, I feel re-energized and just more in love with life than ever. <laughs> um, so uh, what stood out most to you? What's, what's on the tip of your tongue this morning, debate-wise? Well, I, I think it's interesting. You know, the candidates had two nights to present, you know, what I would say is a vision for how they plan to govern, how they plan to maybe even defeat Donald Trump. And instead, especially last night, they really spent their time attacking one another. I thought last night was really interesting because everyone's coming after Joe Biden, then Kamala Harris gets attacked, and then kind of inexplicably, Joe Biden attacks Cory Booker. 
<laughs> and it, it was just a very bizarre confluence of events. When, when I thought it was going to be a much more substantive conversation, I, I really thought it was a lot more of a scrum. And I don't know if that's going to serve the Democrats well in the long run. So I thought it was a little puzzling from that perspective. Well, do you, do you blame the candidates? Or a lot of people are blaming CNN. They're, they're taking a beating uh, from MSNBC, and the Washington Post has a whole column about that. What, what's with this pitting each, uh, them against each other? Every question is set up a, she said something bad about you, you said something bad about her, now yeah. you argue. I mean, what, what is that? Well, here's my thing. The first rule in politics is you don't answer the question. Gotcha. Right? So you don't have to take the bait. I mean, why these guys take the bait, and it's like, oh, well, Joe Biden said this about you. Oh, great, I'm going to attack Joe Biden. The reality is that the person who I thought had the most to lose last night was Joe Biden, and I know the conventional wisdom is, well, okay, look, he didn't do that badly. Let's be honest. He didn't do all that great either. I mean, if, if, if you watch that debate and you see Joe Biden punching, again, punching down at Cory Booker, the first rule that we always use with candidates in debate preparation, when I've, and I've been in dozens of these meetings, if you don't punch down, if you're the front runner, why do you punch down? And, and, and so in my mind for Joe Biden last night, it, it, it may have been a better performance than the first time he went out there, but gosh, if that's the best he can do, I think his campaign's in trouble. Well, boy, you and I are some of the few people saying that. I, I, I didn't think he was very impressive but he did avoid disaster you know you mentioned substance and and policy and i've advocated for more of that in my whole life and i finally got it the last couple of nights and i found myself just mystified and bored by the endless uh, recitation of the minor differences between various people's health care policies i like substance but how did it strike you yeah, I, I thought the healthcare discussion dived into the weeds quite quickly. I mean, look, the, the reality is that th- there are very stark differences between what someone like Joe Biden and what someone like Kamala Harris want to do with health care. And, and they could have made those things abundantly clear, while at the same time, by the way, pointing out the differences between what they want to do and what they allege Republicans want to do. But instead, they were talking about this percentage of people and that percentage of people and this element of the plan and that element of the plan. So I, I did think they get lost in the weeds really quickly. And, and there I do blame the moderators a little bit. I think the moderators could have jumped in and tried to pull them out of the weeds but you're right. I think the conversation got way more specific than most Americans cared to hear about, even those who like policy. I know we talked about this before the first debate started. How much do these debates matter? There's not a lot of data to show that they move the needle much, that the polls move much, maybe for a day or two, but they kind of settle back. Right. There are a couple of examples of people. Uh, when Rick Perry couldn't name you know, the main departments, I think that really damaged him. But there right. are very few examples. And then I saw an article today, laundry listing all of the times Hillary Clinton has won a debate. Like, practically every debate she's ever been in, she won. She's had, like, one gaffe in her entire career, yet she lost repeatedly <laughs> uh, running for president. Right. So what do they matter? Well, I, I think you raise a very good point, which is what generally happens with these debates is they create temporary changes and temporary shifts in how voters view various candidates. But they don't have lasting changes necessarily in the scope and the nature of the race. Now, what they can do is in this situation, they can create 
uh, a sort of a buzz around a candidate who maybe nobody was paying attention to. So Julian Castro got his five minutes of fame out of the first debate. In the second debate, you know, you could argue that um, there were others potentially like Cory Booker who may have benefited. But in the long run, I'm not really convinced the debates matter a whole ton in terms of the atmospherics of the race and where things are headed. Biden's still going to be the front runner. You're still going to have a pack of three or four that are in that next group that are nipping at his heels. And I don't think that changes very much. When it could change potentially is when we get down to two or three people in the debates. Then if someone has a very good performance or a very bad performance, it could affect things. But for now, at least, uh, I do think it's steady as she goes. Wanhee Chen is with the Hoover Institution and Stanford University. Uh, listen, I'm going to make a number of uh, very wobbly assumptions and leap right to Biden versus Donald J. Trump on stage debating. Uh, Trump's going to go mean. Biden is going to try to be uh, the uh, aw shucks every man. How do you see that playing out? Any idea? Well, you know, here, here, here's the thing. I mean, Trump is very, very skilled in these debate contexts. And I, and, and I just don't think that people realize that he is able to use um, elements of his rhetoric, elements of his now his record as president. I think he's going to use that very effectively. I think Biden, if anything, in the last couple of debates has shown that he's just a step slower than he was, you know, the last time I really remember him on the debate stage obviously was in 2012 when he was in that VP debate against Paul Ryan. I think that's the last time he, he debated before this. That's cycle. seven years ago. And, and, and he, and, yeah, it's seven years ago. And what you realize is if you go, I would encourage people, go back and watch some of that tape. The Joe Biden from seven years ago, very different than the Joe Biden that we've seen in the last two debates. And I do think he's gotten a step slower and I wonder what it's going to look like when he's debating Trump. Because I think Trump is going to be relatively nimble, relatively agile. And, and Biden may be able to counterpunch, but is he going to be able to do it effectively? I'm just not sure. I'm convinced, based on what I've seen the last two nights or the last two debates, that he's going to be a great counterpuncher. And I think that you've got to be a great counterpuncher, and you've got to be able to think about ways to put Trump on the defensive if you're going to go up against it. I'm just not sure Biden can do that. If you were advising Kamala Harris, prepping her, what would you say about last night's debate performance or, or her performances in general? Yeah, I think I think she's been fine. Um, I think that that her problem is that at some point her rejoinder was always, "Well, those are Republican talking points." Yeah, and it's like, yeah, they're Republican talking points, but there's some truth to the matter. In other words, when Republicans say your plan is going to kick hundreds of millions of people off their health insurance, you know, you got to a- have an answer for that, right? you got to be able to tell us why it is that your plan's not going to decimate private health insurance. It will, by the way. Uh, you got to be able to tell us why your criminal justice record as, as DA doesn't square now with what you're saying you want to do as president. You've got to be able to answer these kinds of tough questions without sort of going to, well, they're just Republican talking points. And I think for now, it's an interesting line. People in the crowd like it, but it's going to get old. So she's going to have to really have a substantive set of responses to some of these challenges. And I think she's got to better articulate what her theory of the case is. Why is it that she thinks she can beat Donald Trump? Why is it that she thinks she's got a better vision for America? And that hasn't really come through in the last two debates. She, I saw her pretty low in a likability poll the other day. She needs to come up with a second tone. She has oh. one tone. And if she... Aggrieved, if she, and angry, self-righteous. Sometimes I see stuff where she's like at a coffee shop or something talking to people, and she's got kind of this giggly schoolgirl thing going that's very appealing. But on the stage, it's just always the same tone. 
Well, listen to Jack, yeah, the sexism. You want her in, no, what, I a schoolgirl outfit or what? I just, I'm shocked by this. Sorry, Lonnie, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think, I think it is a little bit of a problem for her in that, in that she, she doesn't seem to have multiple gears, as it were. And, yeah. and to be effective in a campaign, you really need to have that nuance and be able to shift into different gears at different times. So we'll have to see if she develops that as the campaign goes on. Hey, Lonnie, uh, who among the like, third-tier people, the one to two percenters, has impressed you lately? Okay, so I'll say this. I thought the first night Steve Bullock, the governor of Montana, yeah. was, was actually quite effective. Yeah. Because so his case is, look, I'm the only Democrat up here who's won in a state that Trump won. That's pretty darn compelling. Sure. I mean, if I'm a Democrat who wants electability, why not go for a guy who's been a governor, who's got you know, some, some good plans that seem relatively reasonable, who has got some progressive streaks? Why not go for a guy like that? So I, Bullock has been good. And by the same token, um, uh, Bennett, the senator from Colorado last night, I thought did a great job of going up against the more liberal policies, particularly that message. I thought he was pretty effective. Right, but so he's got a voice like a Bennett. cartoon bear, Lonnie, so that's going to hurt him. <laughs> hey, I listen, know, we are, I know, that's going to be a problem. Uh, we'd love to talk to you all day. We're out of time, but uh, Lonnie Chen of the Hoover Institution, Stanford University, uh, it's always great to talk to you, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Our pleasure. Sean, do your, do your Governor Bennett voice. Oh, hi. I think we should just all get together and have a nice picnic. He does sound like a cartoon bear. (laughs) Ding! Isn't this great, everybody? (laughs) The real lesson is the friends we made along the way. (laughs) That's great. Now let's have a delicious picnic. (laughs) He can't help it. It's it's, it's, It's just how I sound. You're not going to get this analysis on CNN. No, you're not. Armstrong and Getty. Whether you host a nightly dinner party for two or five, keeping your eating and dining area clean helps keep your mind on the dinner party and not on the cleanup afterwards. Viva paper towels clean like cloth, trapping splatters and sauces that could become countertop stains or stuck on messes. And they're two times more durable when wet compared to the leading value brand. For an exceptional cloth-like paper towel, there's Viva. Visit vivatowels.com to soak up the clean feeling of home. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.